0: Good evening, Life-Changing Ministries. Tonight is Wednesday. It's September 16th, if you can believe it. 2020, the year of right vision for those who are right with God. I am some kind of fired up tonight. I'm fired up about the services that we've been having. I'm fired up about the messages that we've been having. I'm fired up about the fellowship that we've been having among this church body as of late. We had a beautiful, a powerful Sutherland Piro wedding this past weekend. Come on, I don't know about you, but I feel elevated. I feel recharged from those interactions. I feel like the time that we spent shoulder to shoulder with all the families that came from the one association around this nation, I feel like it breathed life back into me again. Listen, if you had the time of your life with saints of the living God from all around one association churches this weekend, somebody give me a huge shout of hallelujah. Hallelujah! That's right. If you happen to miss that past weekend, all hope is not lost. Get with somebody, get a couple testimonies from them, somebody who was there, and allow them to grant to you the excitement for next month and the One Association conference that's coming up, because this past weekend was just a little taste of that. Look, next next month, you do whatever it takes to get to this conference. I'm telling you right now, we've got a lot of new people sitting in these seats tonight. We've got a lot of new people at this church. I'm telling you that you need to do whatever it takes to get to that conference. I think I've made myself pretty clear by this time. This past Sunday morning, we heard a message entitled, Unanswered Questions. Anybody remember that message? Look, this was a revelatory message for us. Much of Christianity is today focused on selfish themes. It's not a secret. It's something that you can see all around you. When you meet somebody that says, I'm a Christian, you just kind of wait for it. We had this jaded attitude, but that's because it's so prevalent in our culture. Selfish Christianity is everywhere around us. They're focused on selfish themes. Churches have selfish motives. Man, we've seen that the last six months, haven't we? Self-centric goals. Unfortunately, this misses the point of the Bible. On Sunday, there were four main questions that were answered during that sermon. We should touch on them again now due to their monumental importance. Here they are right here on the screen for you. What will God inherit was the first question. A people supernaturally transformed into His ruling agency on earth. You see, that's you and me. We are being supernaturally transformed. We are the inheritance of God in the making. See, if if I had to right now, be God's inheritance, Uh, it'd be a little tough for me, but I know that I'm still being transformed. I'm still being worked on. The Lord is still working on my life, on my heart, on my family. And that's something that I can be excited about. That's something that I can have confidence in because I am going to be an inheritance for Him that He desires, and so are you. Our second question, how will God get there? Well, this is... The Archon study that we've been going over. The Celestial Powers teaching that we've been studying. He goes to war with these Celestial Powers to liberate a people that will become his ruling agency on the earth. Question number three. What are we to inherit? See, I love the order that the pastors presented this in. I love it because it actually goes against the selfish nature, the selfish me, me, me kind of attitude that we see in Christianity. What will God inherit is number one. How is He going to do that is, is number two. Those are most important. My inheritance, your inheritance in the kingdom, well, as long as God gets what He wants from me, then I can start thinking about that inheritance. Amen? We inherit the earth that has become The kingdom of God, or heaven on earth. It's not about going somewhere. It's about heaven encompassing the earth that we are standing on right now. This place is going to be transformed. It's going to be made new, just like your body, just like my body. At the resurrection, restoration is going to be happening all around us and inside of us. Question number four was, how do we hope to get there? empowered by his spirit directed by his word we aim our fight at the inheritance as god himself has defined it i can't i can't even articulate to you how blessed i was from sunday morning's message isn't it glorious church we now know that we have a greater grasp on god's inheritance in the saints in you in me and On what we are to inherit. Secondly, the earth and the kingdom of heaven that will envelop this planet. We're beginning to grab hold of some of the unanswered questions that we had regarding inheritance. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's causing something resilient to begin to rise up inside of me. Something inside of my soul. Something that I know I could not have originated myself, knowing the inheritance of God, knowing what we know now about his inheritance inside of me. I know that something is rising and it's not something that I'm originating. It's something of God's spirit that is slowly but surely taking over, taking hold of me, taking hold of my soul, something of the character of my father. Something that enables me to look at troubles and trials to come and be an overcomer like Revelation talks about. The message tonight, it will not be long. It will not be drawn out. So I hope that we are connected right now. I hope that we are connected in soul, that our eyes are connected, that our hearts are connected right now. Though it will not be long and drawn out, you can expect that just like worship, Heaven's power and authority will continue to rest on us tonight in an ever-increasing measure. And by the time that we walk out of here, the victorious, overcoming Church of Christ will slowly begin to be realized in our life and in our families, and we can walk out with something that will change the world. You ready to get into it? We have a title slide. It's going to help us as we begin to get into our message tonight. The title of tonight's message is Travailing Pursuit. Anybody recognize that? Yeah? yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah? yeah. Treister, are, are we tracking here? Have you seen that board game somewhere before in your life? Yeah, there's something weird about it and trivial. It's kind of surface level. It's not very deep. Our title tonight is Travailing Pursuit. Travailing Pursuit. We're going to get into that travailing part. Don't you worry about that. I promise. And I rarely lie from the pulpit, as you know. But I need to read something to those in the room who are unfamiliar with this board game that we see in the picture. This is an excerpt of a summary I took from the Google. Describing the board game Trivial Pursuit, which is shown in that picture over there. Trivial Pursuit is a board game in which winning is determined by a player's ability to answer general knowledge. Somebody say general knowledge. And popular culture. Somebody say popular culture. Questions. Players move their little pieces around a board, the squares they land on determining the subject of a question they are asked from a card. Interesting. So we got cards with questions now. Each correct answer earns a plastic wedge, which is slotted into the answer's playing piece. Are you excited yet? General knowledge, pop culture questions, the two most important subjects that I have ever heard of. No, that's not correct. Of course not. This is a small taste of a fallen world that we live in now. One that takes trivial, trite, tepid knowledge of inconsequential pursuits and elevates them to a height where the pursuit of the standards and heart of our God can be altogether forgotten. I got a question for you. What is the definition of trivial anyway? I know this game. I know kind of what it's like. It's been a while, but can we put that on the screen? This is also from the Google Trivial Adjective want you to focus in on that first definition there most common of little value or importance man trivial pursuit a game focused on trivial things things that are of little value or importance but why was it so fun. Was it really that fun? I don't think that it was. We do not have a trivial pursuit in this place. What we have is a travailing pursuit. And that is the title of the message tonight. Travailing pursuit. When you are travailing, that word means that you are laboring. Somebody say laboring. Laboring. It means that you are putting all your effort into it. Say all your effort. It means that you are working it. Somebody say, work it. work it. Let me get this one out there now, just before we start really getting into it tonight. This trivial pursuit board game right there on the screen, it and I, we haven't really had any interactions in over a decade. That being said, tonight, we are going to both criticize its merit and we are going to use its format. For our own devices. Does that sound good to anybody? Okay. So did you hear that those involved in playing this trivial game were asked questions from a card that they got to answer in front of other participants around them? Did anybody hear that in the definition? Well, I've got a few questions for you tonight. These questions... They're going to move us to continue our travailing pursuit for the Lord. These questions are going to move us to continue our travailing pursuit for his kingdom and for his inheritance until the very end. You guys ready to talk to me tonight a little bit? Are you ready for your first question? Let's put that on the screen. Do you... Remember. I want you to imagine picking this up. Imagine that we're in the presence of God. Okay, you don't have to imagine that because we're in the presence of God right now. Imagine picking this up and looking at it in your hands, contemplating it. Do you remember? As you contemplate that question, grab your Bible. Open up to Exodus, chapter 17. Land on verse 10 for me. And as you do that, I want you to realize something. Exodus 17 is a battle that Israel had with the Amalekites. We're going to learn something about remembrance, remembering from Joshua from Joshua's life in Exodus chapter 17. Somebody say Joshua. Joshua. Verse 10 says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, They took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands were made steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Man, I love this passage. I love this because there are men of God working in different parts of the land, but they're connected connected spiritually connected with one another they're on the same page they're after the same goal i love it i love teams working like this this is an example of the lord delivering israel but they had just been delivered from egypt the difference here is that in egypt they didn't have to pick up a sword They didn't have to pick up a weapon for that deliverance. They simply walked across the Red Sea. The Red Sea destroyed, and the Lord destroyed the Egyptians behind them, and they continued along their way. You see, Exodus 17 is really the first real time that Israel is tested in this way. It's their first battle, and they're going after it, and they really don't know what to do, so, hey, let's seek the Lord. Let's let's pray. Let's lift up our hands to the Father. Let's spread out a little bit. Hey, you fight this battle and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to seek the Lord and let's see if we can't get victory over this thing. It's one of those things that after coming out of Egypt, it's their first real test. Their first real test. This is how they choose to handle it. Let's see what happened after the battle was won, shall we? Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Hey, write this down, man. You remember what just happened? They're getting out of the battle. And the first thing that's written is the Lord speaking and saying, Hey, write this thing down, man. Hey, you need to remember this. I'm telling you right now, you're going to forget this. If you don't choose to remember it, I'm telling you right now, this is a great victory." This came by my hand, but if you don't write it down, you're not going to remember it. Do something so that you can remember the victory that you have just tasted. Hey, I'm saying that victory that you tasted during worship before we started preaching, you remember that victory right now. Make that your first step of obedience in this message. You remember what you tasted so that after this message, you'll go after it again. You'll want to taste that victory one more time. Make sure that Joshua hears it. While they were on the top of the hill, Joshua was in the thick of the fight. He had tasted victory on the battlefield, and yet, and yet, he still needed to hear others remembering. He still needed to hear others recounting the victory. He needed to hear their perspective. He needed to hear their experience with the Lord. He needed to hear how the Lord did up on the mountain while he was down in the valley wielding his sword. Joshua would have further battles with Amalek. His ability to remember previous victories is not just a time to celebrate, although it is to sit around and talk about previous victories. Praise the Lord, God, I love doing that. It's one of my favorite pastimes. But it is also a time to gain strength in the Lord that He will do it again. Hey, are you hearing me tonight? When we talk about victories... When we remember what the Lord's done, it's a promise that God will do it again in our lives. I need to hear that from my brothers. I need to hear that from you out there. I need to hear about your victories. And I need to talk to you about my victories. Because I need to also be remembered that the Lord's going to do this thing again in my life. Hey, I remember when I came out of Egypt. I remember some of my first big tests. Do you? Do you remember the Amalek's that immediately started to fight with you right out of Egypt? The initial temptations, the initial sicknesses, the initial things that were just grabbing you, trying to rip you out of the will of God. And yet we're standing here because of initial victories. We're standing here and I'm telling you tonight, remember, remember what the Lord has done. In the battle you're experiencing right now, remember what God's doing. Turn to Psalm 77. Verse 7 is where we're going to start here. Ooh, come on. Come on. Travailing pursuit when you get there. Come on. Come on, somebody yell it out. (laughs) Don't get tongue-tied on me now. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Oh, come on. Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And then there's a salah. Like I just gotta pause there and think about that for a second. Woe is me! Woe is me! God has abandoned me! Oh I can't believe it. It's like his love has vanished from me. You ever been there before? Ah. This passage going to water your soul tonight you thinking i'm wrapped up in this trivial stuff i'm wrapped up in these trivial pursuits i can't see his kingdom i'm blinded i can't see his inheritance oh we better keep on reading verse 10 then i thought then i thought praise the lord for a new thought praise the lord for taking hold of those thoughts that were before and shoving them out of your mind and grabbing hold of god's thoughts man it's amazing how things are about to change right here Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember the miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, our God, are holy. What God is so great as our God You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people. The descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Hey, I'm charging you tonight. Remembering is a choice that you make. Remembering is a choice to say, I will remember. I will not forget. I will not go astray. I will not choose to allow my mind to wander. I will not waver in unbelief. I will remember. I remember what God has done. The shame of trivial pursuits. The shame of youthful decisions. Immature desires. It's being crushed by remembering the deeds of God. Can you feel it being crushed under your feet tonight? Yes, By remembering the miracles He's performed. By remembering the glory of all of His ways. Have you not seen them with your own eyes? I know that you have. Have you not experienced them in your own life? I know that you have. I've experienced them right them right by you. I've seen them right with you. I've been with you, standing with you through those times. I can attest to those times of miracles in your life. And I'm calling to remembrance those times tonight. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. I want you to look at Hebrews 12 and verse 2 together with me tonight. Oh, come on, my brother. I want you to look at this passage tonight in light of remember. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. (laughs) Consider. Somebody say, consider with me. Consider Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I don't want to grow weary. I'm just going to talk straight. You know, those times you're growing weary, those times where you're losing heart, those times where you're feeling a little bit down. Hey, remember that Jesus, he's not ashamed to call you his brother. You remember that? Do you remember that we are brothers with Jesus? Hey, Jesus walked around this same world as we're walking around in. He walked around in this same flesh that we're sitting in. He walked around with the same kind of opposition, with the same kind of temptations that you have to this day. He travailed and He overcame and so will you. We have the same Father as Jesus has. We have the same Spirit inside of us that was in Him and that raised Him from the dead. Trivial pursuits, I'm saying tonight, be damned. I've got my eyes fixed. I'm remembering. I've got my mind considering what Jesus endured. I'm remembering the cross. I'm remembering Him scorning its shame. I'm remembering that He's seated currently at the right hand of God. This causes weariness to flee. (laughs) I know you can feel it tonight. This causes your heart to again be revived in a special kind of way. As I remember... I am also revived and I know that you will be along with me. In fact, it is happening right now. We have a second question. You guys ready to move on to our second question? We're in a travailing pursuit tonight. Let's, let's put that up on the screen. Where is your hope? Take a good long look at that card. Where is your hope? I can't tell you how many times just habit. My hope is in you. My hope is in the Lord. My hope is in him. Where's your hope tonight? I couldn't help but think about an amazing story that I'm quite fond of. You know, this dude named... Joseph, or Joe as I like to call him. uh, Not really, I don't call him Joe at all. He went through some stuff. He got beat by his own brothers. Now, if that wasn't enough, he was also thrown into a cistern for a while. If that wasn't enough, his brothers sold him into slavery. (laughs) This is getting bad. If that wasn't enough, he was lied about, He was put in prison unjustly. He was abandoned and he was forgotten. And yet, Joseph, he had an enduring hope. (laughs) His enduring hope, it kept him away from trivial pursuits. You could say that he lived a life full of a travailing pursuit of God's inheritance. Because of Joseph's enduring hope in his God. Turn to Genesis 45 with me. And land your finger on verse number 4. And say travailing pursuit when you get there. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Hey, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Can you believe this? Man, Joseph's hope was not that his brothers were going to get what they deserved, man. Look at all that they did to me. Man, I can't believe... supposed to be my brothers, man. you are my brothers. Lord, punish them. Lord, just let, let me see a little a little pain, a little something in their life. I mean, come on. That was not Joseph's heart because that was not Joseph's hope. Come on. He had a different kind of hope. Yeah. He wasn't trying to get back at them. He wasn't trying to make them feel badly on account of all that they had done. And it was a lot. What did he say? He said, come close to me. Joseph was calling out to them. Join me where I am, brothers. Join me where I am, family. Hey, I'm in God's will. I'm in His plan. I got it going on right here. Join me where I am. Man, He's got a father that is old, man. I'm talking way old. And what, what happens? Join me where I am, Dad Jacob. Join me over here. I have the high ground. Come up here with me. I am firmly here in the pursuit of the inheritance of God. There's a reason for that. He had his hope in the right place. Verse 6. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph, he had one overarching goal. That goal was his travailing pursuit of his God. And it showed up in his actions, church. My brothers, it showed up in that he would not allow his hope to be conquered by any circumstances. He's telling his brothers, hey, leave those trivial pursuits behind you. Leave them back there. I'm walking in the authority of Yahweh God, and my hope is in Him. Look at my life and come join me. Can you hear the call going out tonight? Yeah. Ringing in your own ears. Plant your feet. Travail for his p- pursuits. Do not lose hope. It's the call of God going out. The others saw the hope that Joseph had, and they were enlightened by it. So much that they went home. They brought back their father Jacob. His whole family. Everything that they had to join in the travailing pursuit that Joseph Had with the Lord. You know, that reminds me of a passage in Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go there together. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Travailing pursuit when you get there. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the know the hope in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints in his incomparably great power for us who believe oh my god lord help us believe this tonight that power is like the working of his mighty strength my god lord help us to hope in this tonight help us to hope like this mighty god the hope of our call is that the saints, you and I, are the very inheritance of God. But that hope doesn't stop there. Our hope is also that he is able to take us from where we are right now and transform us to the inheritance that we will be. Come on, Cody. I know I'm talking to somebody here. I want to be transformed. I want to be transformed into the inheritance that God has destined for me to be. That the Lord wants me to be. That my Father says that I am. I am going after that kind of transformation. And it starts with a hope. It starts with a hope in the Lord that He is able to deliver on what He has promised in your life. We have His incomparably great power at work in us. Because we believe. Because of our belief in Him, that power is at work. It's not able to be compared with anything else. It's incredible. It's great. That power is the working of His mighty strength. How can we not put our hope in Him when He speaks things like that over His inheritance? Turn to Romans 5 with me. I'm going to start at the beginning of this chapter. Come on, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of man. did Did I get that wrong? Oh, my God. I'm sorry, let me try again. And we rejoice in the hope of an easier life. Oh, man, now you guys are with me. Let's try it one more time. We rejoice in the hope of someone else doing this for you. Oh, all right, one more time. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That is the hope that we are after. We are after the glory of God, not the glory of man, not the glory of self. Not an easier life. Not someone doing this for you so that you don't have to. We're putting all those trivial pursuits aside tonight. And we are travailing in the pursuit of our God. We exist for His glory. We're being transformed into His inheritance. Our travailing pursuit will culminate in us ruling and reigning with Him forever. If I'm going to rule and reign forever with Christ, then I need to, in an even more so fashion, become more of his inheritance. I need to become more like him. When your hope is wavering, remember his mighty works and realign your hope with his glory. We've come to our third question of the evening. It's our third and final question, actually. We're going to put this one on the screen. There it is. Are you faithfully following? Are you faithfully following? Let's turn to Numbers chapter 27. I love talking about remember and Joshua. I love talking about Joseph and the hope that he had. Now we're going to talk about Eleazar. We're going to talk about Eleazar and the faithfulness that he had. Numbers 27 verse 18. Let's start reading together. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so the whole Israelite community will obey him. I want you to focus in on verse 21 with me. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. How did I do, Treester? All right. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out. And at his command, they will come in. Wow. What pressure. What pressure Eleazar must have felt. Under pressure to hear from God. Eleazar, I need an answer now. Please, I'm begging you. By 12 o'clock tonight... If you don't have an answer, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, it doesn't work that way, does it? Of course not. The Lord speaks when the Lord wants to speak. (laughs) I know that you will agree with me that He has an excellent way of getting your attention when He wants to tell you something. (laughs) Oh, well, maybe it's just true in my life. I don't know. When you need to hear something, the Lord speaks. I'm reading this passage, and I'm seeing something. That is total opposite of the thoughts that we've explored so far. Eleazar, he couldn't be any more confident, in fact. He knew that as he sought the Lord, the Lord would speak to him what he wanted, when he wanted. That's a blessing. That takes all the pressure off. When Eleazar, when you seek the Lord, the Lord will speak. When you give him your attention, he will speak to you. He'll just speak about what he wants to speak about. And he'll tell you when he wants you to know. Joshua. This man also should be confident. He knew that when he wasn't quite sure where his next step of obedience was, the Lord would provide answers from heaven for him. It was just a matter of time. You also, tonight, can be confident. The Urim. The Thumim, the Spirit and the Word of God, they reside in this house. You can be confident yeah. tonight. Yeah. Push your lack of confidence aside. Just like Eleazar, God will speak to you when, you when you seek His face. Just like Joshua, God will tell you exactly what you need to do to get your steps moving at just the right time. Be confident. He has apportioned this for His sons and His saints, and that includes you. I have watched the faithful here. I've watched you guys grow in your bravery. I've watched you guys grow in your boldness to step out. I've watched you grow in these ways to follow your leaders as their leaders follow the Lord. I've watched it happen. We have all the right tools here. All the right tools for this travailing pursuit that we are on. Turn to John chapter 10 with us. We had a word in tongues and an interpretation from John chapter 10 during worship. I intend to go right back to that place. Land on verse 3 when you get there. Travailing pursuit, loud and proud. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What an interesting passage. I'm going to submit to you tonight that your shepherd in heaven and your shepherds on earth, they know your name and that's a big 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 thing for you. That's a big 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 amazing advantage that you have in your life that your shepherds they know your name. They're able to lead you out to pasture. They're able to lead you back into safety. They know the way to go. Their eyes are open. This is not the first time that they've been this way, but it's probably maybe the first time that I've been this way or that you've been this way. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice we know that our shepherds in heaven and on the earth they go before us we know that we also know that they give their lives for us every single day and they would give up their life right now if it meant your safety and your continuing in the kingdom of god get used to hearing their voices Get used to hearing their guidance. Get used to hearing the direction of your shepherds in heaven and on earth. Look, the more you hear their voices in your life, the easier it will be for you to identify an imposter. When you hear a voice that is not the voice that you are familiar with, the voice that has not instructed you in righteousness, then a sheep runs. They learn how to get away from that place. Hey, I'm telling you, it's time to listen, to submit yourself to the voices of your shepherds and start hearing them more because we need this word. We need to know the voices of our shepherds tonight so that we can run from unfamiliar voices that are coming into our ears. Praise the Lord that we're learning more and more how to faithfully follow the voices of our true shepherds. This is shaping us, shaping us to be the very inheritance of God that we're called to be. Let me show that to you in Revelation 17. Revelation 17 and verse 14. Tune in right here, church. This is our second to last scripture. They will make war against the Lamb. But the lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. You see, with the Lord of lords, with the king of kings, will be his inheritance forever. Those who grabbed hold of this travailing pursuit, those who would not let it go, Those who chose to travail over trivial. Time and time again, those are the ones that will be standing with the Lord on that day. You are called. I'm saying you in this place right here. You are one of the called. Remember the call that you've received tonight. Put the remembrance into practice. Remember when He called your name. Remember when the shepherd in heaven and the shepherds on earth called your name for that first time. Remember what it sounded like. Remember what you've been rescued from tonight. Remember that He is not done with you yet. Remember these things. You are chosen. You're chosen tonight. One, you're chosen tonight. You're chosen because you've put your hope in Him. And the one who puts their hope in Him will never be put to shame. Thank you, Holy Ghost. (laughs) You are His faithful follower. That was the third one that we saw. The third characteristic that we saw of those that were right by Jesus' side, riding into battle. He's led you this far, church, and he will lead you until the end. You're being consumed by his pursuits. All the trivial things are growing dim and fading away in your life. This is the hope that we have. This is the faithfulness that is rising in this room, even tonight. Turn to the last three verses in the book of Joshua. As we come to our closing passage. That's Joshua 24. We're going to start in verse 31. We're going to read to the end of the, of the book. We had Joshua remembering. Remembering. We had Joseph putting his hope in the Lord. We had Eleazar, a faithful follower. Joshua 24:31. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of all the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. And Joseph's bones which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. And Eleazar, son of Aaron, died and was buried at Gibeah, which had been allotted to his son Phinehas, and the hill country of Ephraim. We need to read verse 31 one more time. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Listen! Listen to me! As long as the Israelites continued to remember the experiences that they had with the Lord, to remember the things that the Lord had done for them, they continued to serve the Lord throughout their lifetime. We're giving you tonight a key to finishing strong in the Lord. We're giving you tonight a key to finishing till the very end. Remember, my brothers, remember, my sisters, what the Lord has done for you. Brush the dust off those old memories. Re-engage with some of those special times of deliverance and strength that you've had with the Lord. Remember, because, my brothers and sisters, we do not have a trivial pursuit. We have a travailing pursuit. Verse 32, and Joseph's bones. What about Joseph? What about the hope he had? Which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. Joseph had grabbed his brothers. He looked them in the face and he had said, Hey, don't you forget my bones, man. When you leave this place, don't forget The Lord will surely come to your aid. I've got the hope of God running through my veins. When the Lord comes to your aid, don't forget my bones. Put your hope in God tonight, brothers. Put your hope in God, church. Put your hope in Him for the resurrection of your bones when He returns. Put your hope in Him for all things regarding your future. Put your hope in him for the inheritance that you are becoming for him. Put your hope in him and rejoice in the inheritance that he will bring with him when he returns for you. Put your hope in him because we do not have a trivial pursuit. We have a travailing pursuit. Our last verse, verse 33. And Eleazar son of Aaron died and was buried at Gibeah which had been allotted to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. Eleazar, he died. But it says here that he was in the place that was allotted to his son. When you faithfully follow the Lord, like Eleazar did, when you are going after the allotment, The Lord has prepared for you. The inheritance. This enables the next generation to set their sights after that allotment. After that inheritance as well. The Lord will be with you. Because you are going to be with Him. Those coming up after us. They need the witness of us following the Lord faithfully. We will be strong until we take our last breath. We will be the faithful ones that is that are being talked about in Revelation. Their allotment. The next generation. It depends on us faithfully following the Lord until the very end. We do not have a trivial pursuit in this place. We have a travailing pursuit. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I think it's time to throw away this horrible homiletic of trivial pursuit. As we throw that away, we're going to make sure that you are firmly established in your travailing pursuit tonight. Jump up to your feet with me. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to put our last slide on the screen. It says travailing pursuit there. It's, the first one says, remember. The second one says, put your hope in him. The third one says, faithfully follow. Hey, I want you, if you got your families around you, I want you to grab them right now. This is going to be a special time. also want everybody to take a few steps forward. It's not going to be a time where we're going to grab the altar. It's going to be a time where we are going to grab our families and we're going to get close to the family that's all around us. Come on. Even you single guys, get up here. We're going to pursue some victorious worship in the house of God right now, and it's going to be glorious. As Peyton and the team begin to lead us, I want you to travail to pursue in a few things, and they're found on the screen, but I want you to listen to my voice. Praise the Lord for the things that you're remembering about what he has done. Make that your first goal tonight as you enter into worship. Remember, remember what he's done in your life, man. Remember what he's done. Remember what he's delivered you from. Remember the good things that he's brought to your life. Remember what he has done. Put your hope in him. Regarding anything, I mean anything related to your future. Anything coming up. You say, God, my hope is in you and nowhere else. Lord, I'm not even concerned about it. It's in your hands, mighty God. My hope is in you. I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God in my life. I'm ready. I'm ready for your glory in me, Father. Reapply your heart to faithfully follow the Lord. Yeah, begin to pray. Reapply your heart to faithfully follow the Lord wherever He wants to lead you. Hey, He's still working in you. He's still causing hope to rise inside of you and He will be faithful to lead you in this pursuit. Mighty God, we lift our hands to you. Father, we are claiming victory tonight, Lord God. We are claiming it, Father. Lord, I thank you that I can stand in victory with my family, Lord God. I thank you that we can stand shoulder to shoulder together tonight, Lord. Lord God, let us remember what you've done. Let us hope in you, Father. Lord, let us go forward in faithfulness, mighty King. We love you.